This podcast may include adult content. Bound Off is an independent, nonprofit audio magazine committed to paying authors for their work. To join us in our mission of broadcasting great stories to a worldwide audience, please consider dropping us a dollar or two at boundoff.com slash donate. Support for this episode comes from the Loft Literary Center, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, one of the nation's leading literary nonprofits, offering a wide array of online creative writing classes for all levels and genres. Online classes are offered seasonally. Find out how to register at loft.org. Welcome to Bound Off, a literary audio broadcast. In this edition, we have two stories, Marcy Cunningham by Harry Posner and Fire Dragons by Valerie Borey. Marcy Cunningham, written and read by Harry Posner. Listening time, 5 minutes, 32 seconds. Marcy Cunningham Mary had a little lamb. Her fleece was white as snow. Everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. It followed her to school one day. That was against the rule. It made the children laugh and play to see a lamb at school. And so the teacher turned it out, but still it lingered near. It waited patiently about till Mary did appear. Why does the lamb love Mary so, the eager children cry? Why, Mary loves the lamb, you know, the teacher did reply. Perhaps it was this last account that broke the camel's back and prompted them to intercede where others would not act. The hand reached in and pulled you out. You left that book behind. It sealed the rhyme and left the lamb to graze between the lines. The lamb's a lamb and you're a girl, they said. To love a lamb like you love lambs is just, well, it's just unnatural. And a very bad example for other children. You couldn't breathe. You couldn't shout. Such fear did grip your heart. You missed your lamb and he missed you. And on top of that, you lost track of your rhymes until there was no symmetry left to your words, no comforting rhythms. Your life, once so idyllic, muddied by the random world, where nothing comes back to its source, where circles are broken, twins separated, innocence smothered by commerce. They put you in a dark box and locked the lid. Now and then you could hear their strident words seeping through the wood. They smelled of rotten eggs. We'll change your name. Give her a whole new look. There'll be an uproar. Who gives a fuck? Once the kiddies get their hands on the newest and funkiest it doll of the decade, Marcy Cunningham, they'll forget what's her name and her horny lamb. So they pulled you out and gave you plastic flesh, dressed you up in dungarees and lingerie and pretty cargo pants, and sold you at Macy's and made a pretty buck. The kid, whose mother had given her a dolly's name, Meredith, squealed with delight and twisted your arms and yanked at your legs until you couldn't feel anything but pain. She smothered you under her pillows and threw you against the wall and pitted you against her angry transformers. And all you wanted to do was scream until the heat of your rage would melt your plastic head and you'd turn sideways and slip out a crack in the seam, make a run for it. You'd follow his bleating all the way home. God, how you missed his snow-white fleece, the way he nuzzled you awake in the morning, pushing his cold nose into your neck along your shoulder blade. 
under the front of your nighty to nip at your tingling breasts. And then you'd pull him down to you, feel the warmth of his body pressing into yours, the smell of his carnality, his pleasure moving in rhythm with your own, matching love to need, lust to desire. But Meredith had other plans for you. She hated your cargo pants, and she hated dungarees because her mother made her wear them to school, and the kids made fun of her, calling her a hayseed and farmer's daughter, and you're an idiot. No, you are. No, you are. So she stripped you naked and hung a tiny little cross around your neck, thinking that you'd look more grown up if she gave you breasts like her mummy had. So she crazy glued two thimbles where your breasts should be and painted some black hair between your legs. You'd never felt so mortified, so degraded. You wanted to scream at her that this was all wrong, that it would lead to a bad end. It's Mary, you'd say. Don't you remember? We put you to sleep when you were a little baby. If she found out who you really were, she'd maybe help you find your way back to your white prince. But when she pulled you out during the car ride to Wonderland, her father, Israel Ishkovitz, a bad-tempered man and a devout Jew, was so incensed at what his daughter had done to her doll, mainly worried though he was about the goyish cross hanging around your neck, that he roughly grabbed you out of her arms, rolled down his window, and flung you out. Whereupon you bounced three times, head, feet, head, to land in an oil spot in the middle of the highway, bruised from top to bottom, thimbles clattering across the asphalt. As cars growled past, your eyes suddenly snapped open, and all you could see was a sky so cloudless and storybook blue that for a moment you imagined you were wandering in your glen once more, he at your side, not a care in the world. Seconds later, rhymeless, storyless, and far from home, you, the lamb, and the glen were flattened by the wheels of a greyhound bus, filled with children on their way to Wonderland. Harry Posner has authored two novels and several books of poetry. Marcy Cunningham is excerpted from his in-progress collection of flash fiction, entitled And Maybe You Float Away. Fire Dragons, written and read by Valerie Bory. Listing time, 5 minutes, 41 seconds. Her first menses coincided with her first acid trip. Leah's cheek pressed against the tufted brown basement carpet while fire dragons picked at her entrails. They were nosing around in her uterus and pulling up strips of organs with their teeth, squeezing them against the roofs of their mouths, sucking the air out of them so there was a dry grating of her insides. Leah turned onto her back, hoping to soothe the dragons by laying the palms of her hands against her abdomen. The ceiling rippled slightly and the heater kicked on, Led Zeppelin forgotten on the stereo except for the dry moaning that echoed through the hollow corridors of her ovaries. She thought of calling for help, of crawling up the stairs to her mother, who had probably already gone to bed, or maybe she was making cookies or on the couch with her nose in a library book. She thought of the trip to the emergency room of doctors rooting around in her bloodstream, sticking their hands straight through the skin of her stomach and pulling out gobs of sticky, fleshy things, 
things that looked purple and bruised and perforated. She thought of her boyfriend, the acid dealer, and how the police would come arrest him for selling bad acid. Maybe there's PCP in there, she thought, but how would she know? Instead, she lay with her face against the warping ceiling, the two bright lights, and thought of Robert Plant heralding her death, the naked children on his orange frosted album cover stumbling over her body like another river-stoked stone. Either I will get through this, or I will not, she thought. Eight hours from now, someone will come down the stairs and discover my body, fire dragons hunched over my torso like small, thick-clawed velociraptors going through the final good bits with blood smeared across their teeth like ketchup. Leah realized then that she was bleeding through her underwear and knew that her body had begun to break down, that her insides were starting to seep out through her holes, through the pores of her skin. It was bad. Had she been around more lately, not sleeping around or drinking beer down by the railroad tracks, she would have seen the book that her mother had discreetly inserted into her girlish bookshelf, white with blue and yellow flowers to match the canopy bed, full of diagrams of changing bodies and tips on how to use deodorants and sanitary pads, how janitorial, and how to deal with feelings about boys and how to say no and how to shave. Was it against or with the green? But she hadn't been around lately. She'd been skipping school and wandering the city graveyards with her leather jacket friends, the same ones who bought tabs of acid from her boyfriend and thought about their window of opportunity as miners to do some dealing themselves, maybe build a nest egg, playing the celebrity game where you have to name a movie star whose first name starts with the first letter of the previous movie star's last name. And you look at all the pretty gravestones and notice how the earth gives under your feet here just a little bit more than it does anywhere else. Jack Nicholson Nicole Kidman Kid Rock Rock Hudson She lay on the brown tufted carpet under the two bright lights under the glassy gaze of stuffed animals and one discreet book tucked in amongst the other books on her modest yellow and blue flowered bookcase. Fetal position, curled around her own dying, bleeding body, shielding herself from the fire dragons as best she could. She would have written a note that night, but couldn't move. She thought once, maybe twice, of finding her mom in bed and waking her to say her final goodbye. Thought maybe she would go up there and curl against her mother under covers that smell like warm bread. But she couldn't manage. Just needed to hunker down and live through it, or not. Endure, or not. Morning would tell, and the night was shot through with convulsive pain. It wasn't until the next day, until after she had drunk herbal tea with her mother, snuggled with the cat and broken up with her boyfriend after accusing him of pushing bad stuff and of not loving her enough, that she discovered the book of female bodies in her shelf. With great interest, she bent the spine and skimmed the chapter on menstruation, and cramping, and now, now she made the connection almost immediately. So quickly, in fact, that she couldn't imagine any more what hell she had passed through the night before, dying alone in that hole, or how funny, wasn't it, that marrow-sucking fire dragons had come to her more readily than the thought of womanhood. Street smart, her teachers had called her. But they didn't know the streets. 
She suffered flashbacks for the rest of her reproductive life. Once a month, the blood seeped, and the fire dragons came to gnaw at her insides, and the ceiling broke out into waves, and every time, if only for a split moment, the thought would come to her, would slip out of her mouth sometimes. Oh, my God! I'm dying! If anyone ever asked her if she was okay, she turned to them and muttered darkly, "'It's the curse.' And they'd laugh, never suspecting the truth, much as you are now smiling and not sure if I am serious or not. But I tell you, it's true. Valerie is a Minneapolis-based writer, teacher, and playwright. Her fiction has appeared in publications such as Burning Word, Diddle Dog, Heavy Glow, In Stereo Press, and Red Fez. Listener-supported Bound Off is made possible by grants from the Kern Family Endowed Fund, Further support comes from the Google Grants program. Thanks for listening to this edition of Bound Off. Copyright Bound Off and the respective authors. All rights reserved. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts and how to submit your stories.